Hi, everybody, and welcome to That's Life, the show where we have always believed that confirming Hegel was a bad idea, and no 90-minute sit-down is going to make us feel better. Good afternoon, folks, and thanks for listening. I am Miriam L. Wallach, blogger, writer, and general manager here at the Nachum Siegel Network. You can find me here every Thursday at 2 p.m., as I hope to bring you a little entertainment, a little news, and a little relief that the life you are leading is not as wacky as mine. Coming to you... From the home of the Nachum Siegel Network here on the beautiful Lower East Side, I am joined by my handy-dandy partner, Avrami. What's up, Avram? How are you? I Were you surprised I was going to put you on right there? I was like, well, oh, shoot, I know, need the you mic. You said time was a little bit, you know. Yeah, I know. It, it is. It is. It's a little bit uh, tough. <laughs> Things are tight around here today, but that's all right. We like the extra adrenaline. By the way, Avram, people, I think, need to know um, our weekly bird update. And the bird update is such that <laughs> the bird's dead. Um, it, yeah, totally nothing obviously having to do with us, but, um, Thomas, which is what, um, Abrami named the bird, the, the lone bird that had stayed here with us, you know, between the window panes, he had named him Thomas. And again, the reason for that was, it, I know it just came out when I came in in the morning. Okay. I said, hey. <laughs> it was just it, easier or more difficult than naming your children. Um, e- easier, I think. Because <laughs> there was no Toby to have to right, There was no big book of names here. <laughs> right, and there were no people to either insult or not insult. You picked Thomas and went with it. Well, Thomas is dead, and um, well, <laughs> we paid our last respects to Thomas. Let's be cold. <laughs> well, we paid our last respects to Thomas in so much as we said, no, you get it out. No, you get it out. No, you get it out. So I'd like to thank David, <laughs> our intern, um, who's not the fearless intern yet at Lassen, but David's got some game because um, totally fearlessly, he just went in and picked up the bird and got rid of it. And um, It's called paying dues, people. It was un- <laughs> By the way, if this was a hazing, he totally made it into the sorority. <laughs> he got rid of the birds. Um, and, and we should just make it clear that I bought him like these heavy-duty, impenetrable Home Depot gloves. And he's like, what are those for? I'm like, oh, dude. He barely used them. But... Um, and I was ready to throw out the gloves afterwards. I'm like, they have the cooties. We don't need these anymore. He's like, nah, hold on to them. I'm like, all right, you know what, buddy? He's a little bit more fearless than I gave him credit for. If you are a new listener to the show, thank you for taking a break from your day to tune in. And if you are, re- what happened? I don't have a mic. Oh, there we go. Hey, that was weird. And if you are a returning listener, thanks as always for making us part of your day. If Miriam L. Wallach once a week is just not enough for you, do what Ava Hagler does. Visit me on my blog. It's yourthatslife.com. You can friend me on Facebook. You can send me an invite on LinkedIn. You can also shoot me an email, Miriam, at NachumSiegel.com. I will not respond to you during the show. I'm not being rude, not about this at least, but I will make sure to get back to you afterwards. Let's go to our favorite segment. What does the fortune cookie say? Now, those of you who are keeping track at home, um, we had a lot of fortune cookies here. We were in great shape in terms of our stash. And yesterday, in doing some pre-show research, we found out that about seven of them were broken. And then... We, we, we had to hide the last one that was whole so that you could hear this. Because you know the rule, if it's broken on the inside, I won't read it on the air. So this is our our lone fortune cookie, which means I need to order Chinese at some point this week. Okay, here we go. Stand by. Our fortune says, facts are cheap, information is plentiful, knowledge is precious. True that. That I like. Oh, you know what? Finally, we got a winner. It was like the lone one at the bottom of the bag. Facts are cheap. Information is plentiful. Knowledge is precious. I love it. I love it. Anyway, let's take care of some business. Today's national holidays include Cable Car Day. I'm not exactly sure uh, how we're going to celebrate that around here, but I do not see myself going to visit Roosevelt Islands in any, you know, in any near future. It is also Hot Heads Chili Days. I don't know if that's a play on the food chili or it's 
hotheads should cool down. I have no idea. But by the way, you should just know you can hold two days. It is both the 17th and the 18th. It is Judgment Day, which um, is a little bit weird, <laughs> I have to be honest, because last time I checked, uh, that was in the fall. But anyway, according to somebody, today is Judgment Day, and I have no idea why. It's Kid Investors Day, which makes me think of the uh, Verizon commercial of the little girl with her lemonade stand. And uh, by the end of the 30-second commercial, she's like, you know, CEO of a major company and being included in the Forbes 500. So uh, don't don't sell kids short, I guess. It's also National Soccer Coaches of America Week, which um, I didn't realize before booking the show for today. But we are actually going to be talking to two different coaches today. So uh, if either one of them ends up coaching soccer, that'll be an added tidbit. It's also National Vocational Awareness Week. Hey, and International Snowmobile Safety and Awareness Week. That is uh, always good advice. Of course, here in New York, there hasn't been so much going on. I mean, we've had a little wintry mix and stuff this week, but um, no heavy snowfall that you associate with January in New York. Avrami's like, all right, be quiet because because you're going to bring it on yourself. And yes, we are running out of time. And it's also the beginning of the Sundance Film Festival. So if you didn't get your invite, don't worry, neither did I. Anyway, you are listening to That's Life from the home of the Nachum Siegel Network, and I am desperate to get on our first guest who is waiting patiently on hold. We'll have to talk about the crazy thing that happened to me this week in between our two segments. But right now, Coach Jazz, Coach Jazz, head coach for Team Yaha, joins us with our last pre-marathon interview and pep talk. Hello, Coach Jazz. Hello, Miriam. How are you? I am actually doing really well, and I'm a little bit afraid to have you on today, and I have to tell you why. Why? <laughs> tell me. Tell okay. me. It's it, it's confession around here at That's Life, and the, uh-huh. and the reason for that is because the last time I had you on, I told you what I was doing. I was doing this long run, and then no short runs during the week, and just doing long runs on Sunday, and you gave me an official no bueno. Which, exactly. <laughs> official no bueno. I know. I got an official no bueno. So I changed my, I changed my tune a little bit okay. and I was doing a couple short runs during the week you know it was like twice three times a week no more than like three miles at a time and felt good and on Sunday um just a couple of days ago I did 13 miles because I sort of I, awesome. yeah okay. I, I mean I've, I've done a half before this is not gonna be my first half in Miami though I'm really exceptionally looking forward to it not just because Ellie Hagler has been you know, taunting me on the air, um, <laughs> though he has, but also because I'm really excited about the whole experience. But then I'll tell you what I did. And I've been doing also the short runs. I ran this morning. I ran yesterday. Great, great, great. I bought a new pair of sneaks. Okay. Uh, see? All of a sudden, there's a dead air from Ch- Coach Jazz. I bought, let me tell you what. All right, see, okay, don't be upset yet. I mean, you can you can be in a support. Oh, okay, okay. Do you uh, hear me breathing heavy? I do, and I feel you rolling your eyes at uh, me. Totally, the eyes are rolling. That breathing is heavy. Go ahead, tell me more. Okay, I really wanted a pair of Brooks. I really wanted a pair of Brooks. And the pair of Sauconies that I wear every time I run that I've been wearing for years, I mean, they're great. They're like, they're like a really worn pair of gloves that fit perfectly except yeah. they're really really worn and i decided that that with a you know i got the 13 miles under my belt on sunday i decided i was going to buy a new pair of sneaks i was going to do a whole bunch of short runs in them before the half marathon in miami and i was going to break them in for two weeks okay this is the problem Ugh. okay you did your long run you did 13 miles right right in the other sneaker Right. right? The old sneaker. The old sneaker. So what happens now is you buy a new sneaker. Running long run, short runs isn't going to do it because, you know, you can run three miles in the new sneakers and be fine, but you haven't done long runs in them because you're not going to be doing any more long runs. Right. 
you know? So what happens is when you have a sneaker like that, you don't know what's going to happen when you get more miles in. You could start to get blisters, and the other thing to remember is you're going to be running in the heat. And the last thing you want to do is run in the heat with new sneakers, you know what I mean, that you haven't broken in yet. You know, uh, and and it, that's where the problem comes in because if you did 11, you know, 13 miles in the old sneaker and you made it and you were fine, I don't have a problem with you doing short runs now in the new sneaker, right. but on race day, you're going to use those old sneakers. Oh, Because man. they've already done 13 miles for you when they held up. I know, but the new sneaker is cutting off time big time. They it's, are not, it's in your head. No, it's so, I have to tell you something, it's so not, I did three miles yesterday in 27 minutes, boom, I just knocked him out, like there was, the sneaker was so light, and it really feels, it really does help, new, you know, sneakers are great, it's like getting, you know, you may feel like now you're running on busted tires, with the old sneakers, you're running on busted tires, but my biggest problem is, that's why it's a rule that you don't get you not anything more than a month before oh. do you get new sneakers for that reason and i was so excited and they people and, and when i asked them at the store and this is like a running shop i said is two weeks is two i never remember to silence this is two weeks enough time to break in the sneakers he's like for a half yes for a whole no i'm like okay no, i'd say no because you're not doing a long run in it you oh. know like you're right you're race you're doing six miles this weekend right and that's it oh you know what I mean? You're doing six miles. So, yeah, you can do six miles in the new sneakers. You know what I mean? Right. Because they're the old one. But, you know, the, the, the difference is you're not doing it in New York. You know what I mean? You know, I may let you get over with it in New York, you know. But you're going into Miami, and when you talk about heat, humidity, blisters on your feet, all the other things that could happen, you don't want to add running with new sneakers onto that mix. People do not appreciate just how big deal, how much of a big deal this is. Like, I'm sure there are people listening going, ah, sneakers are sneakers. Yeah, no, not at all. I've seen, I've seen it happen. I've seen people with new sneakers and running in the heat, you know, and it feels it's happened to me. I'm like, oh, I have a rock at the bottom of my shoe. It's not a rock. It's a blister Ugh. because I've never run that far in that sneaker. Like I'm doing 20 miles training for a marathon oh. and all of a sudden I get a blister. So there are things we'll go over to avoid, you know, to help you out on race day. Right. You know what? I would do the six miles in it this weekend. Do your runs in them. Um, but I'm telling you, officially, I don't think it's a great idea. Um, but it's totally up to you. You can do it and have a great run and be fine. Well, what if, what if I tell you that I'm going down early? We're going down to Florida early, and I can do a bunch of short runs, let's say three to four miles or whatever, in the new sneaks and test them out. You're not doing a bunch of new miles when you, uh, months when you go down there. Because next week is race week. Uh, yeah. You're pulling off. You're pulling off. You're in taper. You're in taper. Oh. You're not doing more than between Sunday, this Sunday, and race day. Yeah. You're not doing more than like three or four runs. That's it. Three or f- Okay, three or four runs. But right, because you're doing a long run on Sunday. No, 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 no. I'm not going to do a long run this Sunday. I'm just going to, I'm not going to do any. Six, six, well, you, 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 you have to do like six, six miles. I have to do six miles this Sunday? Yes. Yeah, okay, so yeah, I'm going to be in Florida. On, on Sunday. All right, so I'm going to be in Florida already by Sunday. Okay, so, so you can do it. You can do your long one on Monday, Sunday, Monday, whatever it is, but you do your six miles. And then in that case, if you did a long one on Monday, six miles, then 
on Wednesday, you would do like three miles. Okay. And then, you know, maybe on Friday, you know, another three miles but, or, or not even like 20 minutes. A twenty-minute run followed by a twenty-minute stretch, and Sunday's your race. Right, but can That's I? Do, but if I do it, see, I'm I'm still I'm not over the fact that I can't might use my new sneaks. So work with me. So if I do the six miles, come on, placate me, Coach Jazz. Come on. Yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. Like you know, rub my hair, like make me feel better. Okay, okay. okay. All right. So if I do six miles in the new sneaks in Florida this Sunday, and then do my you know other short run during the week in Florida in the new sneaks. And just do a 20-minute whatever on Friday. Yeah. Can I wear the new sneaks on race day? No. It's still no. Come on. It's still no. <laughs> Come on, Coach I'm Jess. getting a no. Oh, I'm still getting a no. <laughs> I'm getting a no. Shoot, I'm going to get another no bueno on the air, aren't I? No bueno. Oh, man. Oh. Okay. But, I mean, you'll have them. You'll run in it. You know what? Let me just tell you something. You're going to see these sneaks. And you're going to love them and want to borrow them on race day. That's what I'm, I'm saying. Sure. I mean, I know. Like, your sneakers are done. My, they are. My, again, so my done. biggest concern is, you know, I'm just worried that the other issues that can happen when running yeah. for a long distance and new sneakers, no, especially listen, in the heat. This is That's a, my concern. A, this is why you're Coach Jazz and I'm just Miriam. And B, this is why you're the adult and I'm the petulant adolescent. I mean... <laughs> Let's let's all know our roles here. You're listening to That's Life on the Nachum Siegel Network. I'm Miriam L. Wallach being schooled and scolded by Coach Jazz with, you know, just about 10 days to race day before I join uh, NCSY alumni and Team Yachad in the ING Half Marathon in Miami, where Nachum will be doing a show both on Friday and on Sunday, and we're looking forward to the entire weekend. This has been uh, a huge, huge undertaking in the making, and we're we're coming down to race day, and we're all very excited. And Coach Jazz won't let me wear my sneaks, but um, all right. So let's let's move away from the sneaks because I'm I'm hoping that you feel better about them by the time that our interview is over. But let me ask you the following question because this is always a topic that people um that people are constantly constantly discussing, which is what to eat before, right before, not the night before at the pasta party, but what to eat right before, and then what to eat right after. Well, you basically want to stick with what you've been doing. At this point, this is what I tell people. The rule of thumb, you know, protein and carbohydrate before your race and protein and carbohydrate within 45 minutes after. Now, if you have been running um, and you've been running, you know, using like your bagel and, you know, cream cheese or bagel and, and you know, peanut butter or yogurt and a banana, right. whatever it is you've been doing, you want to do the same thing on race day. Nothing new on race day. You don't decide on race day that you want to have, like, you know, a croissant or, you know, <laughs> like you want to change it. Yeah. We tell people you want to have the same effect on race day that you did all throughout training. Nothing new. Right. So if you have oatmeal, bring your oatmeal pack with you. You know what I mean? Right. If you have your, your peanut butter that you like, bring it with you. Whatever it is that you normally have. For some people, it's coffee. And if coffee is what you normally have, I'm not trying to change you on race day. Right. Because if we try to change things up, you can easily have GI stress. Yeah, you, you, know? and, you, you and I spoke about that, is that I, in another confessionary moment, yeah. um, I told you that before a race, 13 miles you know, on a Sunday, or really before like any kind of competitive race, I drink a cup of coffee and call it a day. And then I bring my sport beans with me, um, and you know, that other stuff that we take with us and, and pray that it's going to help us, um, throughout the race, but that's it. I don't eat anything before I'm done. 
Oh, no. No, no more no, silence. It's, it's, you know what? Oh, you take, no. take the sports means. Um, I'm You're not a believer? It's going to be a little more important, okay? What'd you say? You, it's, you know, right now you've been training in New York. Oh, no. And you've been training in cold. You know, it's been nice, and basically you're training in, like, cold, cold weather. Right. You know? So what has to happen now is you're going into heat and humidity. Right. So what's going to happen? You're going to sweat more, right? Okay. Which means you're losing electrolytes. You're losing potassium. You're losing sodium. So on top of you drinking um, water and Gatorade at every station, you also want to be making sure that you're taking those sports beans, right. whatever the serving size is, what it tells you, um, after your first 45 minutes, and then one time every 40 minutes. Oh, I don't think I bought enough packs for that. Okay. There'll be more. There, we're, we're, we're definitely going to have more right, when, right, right. Once, once we go to the expo. Right. Okay. So there'll be more there. So I didn't, yep. I don't think I appreciated the fact that I needed to eat them that often and in that. Well, you know what? Some some people do. They kind of chew on it for the whole time, or right. you know. But the reason why it's you know sports beans, gels, all that stuff. What they give you is they give you um, they give you potassium, sodium, right? And they're putting the electrolytes back that you're losing. So especially when you're going to be sweating a lot, and you know you're going to start feeling like crap. Right. And that's why people look back and they're like, oh, I haven't eaten. Mm. I haven't had anything. So, you know, goo is kosher, whether they're doing um, goo, whether they're doing sports beans, right. whatever it is, um, you want to definitely take that in because it makes a difference. It's basically one to 200 calories, and you need those calories to help you out. Right. Of course, there's the part of me that says, why would I want to eat calories if I'm just trying to burn oh, calories? Oh, when I but tell you, with the women, yeah. I have the biggest problem. They're like, but I want to burn. I'm like, check your time after you're done, if you have a Garmin, and see how many calories you've burned. You basically burn about 2,000 plus calories, okay? Right, right. You know what I mean? Depending on how long you're on your feet. If you're out there for three hours, it's a lot of calories. Right. You know? So your body needs it. Your body needs the sodium, the potassium. It needs it. What kind of food should I expect when I'm done with my 13 miles? What's going to be waiting for me? Um, so when, when is you're there going done, to be more coffee? Well, I need more you know coffee. what? The good thing about Yakad is when you guys are done, we have a tent. Right. So there's going to be um, bananas, and there'll be all kinds of great stuff for you to eat. So you'll have your combination of you know, great food and drink and stuff after. I love so you bananas. you won't have to worry about that. Yakad takes great care of you. I love bananas after a run. And my friend Tamar, who's a who's actually running um, with Team Yachad in Jerusalem at the end of February. Oh, I want to go so badly. I know. By the way, I'll put you in my trunk. Um, you can come with me. There's, You're going? Uh, oh. oh, yes. I oh. am going. Because we are doing shows. Nachum is doing more shows from uh, Jerusalem for Team Yachad. We are going to be broadcasting oh, live from the Jerusalem. You didn't know that? I need to go to correspondent. Yeah, and by the way, you need to talk to Ellie Hagler because he I should... did. I keep telling Ellie and Dr. Lixman that yeah. I'm ready. I'm available. All right. By the way, I mean, come on. You're... I'm available, but they have another coach in Jerusalem. In, what? In, in Israel. Whatever. 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 I'm sure, I'm sure that person's lovely. Whatever. <laughs> um, but um, she, my friend Tamar, is a huge is is a, is a huge runner and. And her big go-to meal is um, whole wheat bread with peanut butter and sliced bananas, which yeah, she calls like a go. she calls like a chunky monkey sandwich or something. No, that's the way to go. Yeah, why the peanut butter? Because it's just solid protein. It's protein, absolutely. It goes really well with your stomach. 
it's you know it's a breakfast of champions. <laughs> That's what, champion. that's, what butter, hus- that's what my husband. That's what my husband calls. That's what my husband calls it when I bring home Dunkin' Donuts. And I, give, <laughs> and I give it to the kids before they get on the bus. He's like, "Oh, great, Dunkin' Donuts, the breakfast of champions." <laughs> yeah, all right. It's not that funny then. Okay. Coach Jazz is not happy with Miriam today. Um, Coach Jazz, let me ask you another question. Um, and we we don't have so much time left, but let me ask you another question. How much water should I be taking in before and after the race? Um. So. You should be drinking as much water as possible the week of. You want to stay hydrated okay. because you want your urine to be white or pale yellow. Okay. Um, if it's dark, then you know you're dehydrated. This is definitely the first time we've talked about urine on my show. But, yes, hey, absolutely. but hey, that's all right. That's so good. You want it to be clear or white. Um, and then you definitely want to stop drinking water. Um, that morning, so you want to make sure you hydrate. And it doesn't hurt to drink coconut water or drink some extra Gatorade a couple of days before. Okay. Because basically you want the sodium. Um, you think of it this way. You want your body to act like a camel. You want to store water in your hump, so to speak. Okay. That's what's going to hydrate you. So that's where it comes in if you're doing coconut water or like a sports beverage. It's going to hold that what the you know it's gonna a, a little extra sodium also in your diet that week yeah helps you hold the, the the water so it's okay if you gain a pound or two. Somebody actually told me a little tidbit about eating a salt packet. Yes, you you take that um yeah you take it with you on on race day. I tell all my guys to um you know um definitely to take a shot right before the race starts, and you have some water right there. And you have um, you run with your salt packets. That is the schnastiest thing I've ever heard. But I know, but me either. I don't eat salt at all. But you think of it this way: you don't you don't want to dehydrate, right? And the sodium is going to keep you from dehydrating. So, so walk me through it. The morning of the race. So then, the morning of the race, you wake up, you eat, you finish your meal two hours before the race. Okay. You stop drinking ninety minutes before the race. This way you give your body the opportunity to rid yourself of the fluids, right? Okay. Then you have about six ounces of water, you know, a little bottle of water or something. Right. You take your salt shot when you're in the starting blocks, and that's when you have your last bit of water. Really? That late? So what you do is you give yourself 90 seconds, 90 minutes to rid yourself of the water that you took in, that you stopped drinking 90 minutes before. Okay. And then, right before, like 20 minutes before you run, you take in about six ounces of water and a salt packet. O-M-G. That will also keep you from having to go to the bathroom on the course. Really? Yeah, it's never failed for me. I've never had to go to the bathroom in any of my races. Are you serious? Even your 26 milers? 26 miles. That's when I don't want to go. I don't want to go to the bathroom during the 26.2 race. No, I don't blame you. I remember on my first half, um, somebody within the first mile like veered off the course looking for a bathroom, and somebody goes, well, that was fast. Like, you don't want to be yeah. that guy. Yeah. Yeah, no, and that's what I tell guys. And, you know, unless you have some random, like, GI stress. Right. You know what I mean? You definitely want that. I know, by the way, before I, like, in the first, I don't know, three minutes of a race, I'm like, I, I, I go through all the self-doubt. And I'm sure. Everyone does. Right. Everyone does. Everyone does. Why am I doing this? Am I crazy? Am I crazy? Why do I think I could do this? Right. There's no way I'm going to finish. 
this is crazy. There are, you know, I don't need to know. Like my big joke is, is that somebody, somebody said to me, don't you want to do a full marathon? I'm like, I don't want to know that I can run from my house to Manhattan if necessary. That's just right, too exactly. long. That's just exactly. too long. I don't have, I don't have those, the staying power for that. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely, it's definitely a daunting task, but it feels so good when you're done. Absolutely. You feel amazing. Yeah. You're ready for the next one when you're done. Yeah. And of course, then there's hopefully the added benefit of beating Ellie Hagler's time, <sighs> which is again, let brings me, me back you, to the let sneaks. Let me tell you, Ellie Hagler has been strength training with me. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. I know. But by the way, I have my own, you know, not that Coach Jazz isn't amazing, but yeah. I have I have my own trainer I've been working with for six years. Uh, so then the the game is on then. Yeah, and by it's the on. way, there's not a doubt in my mind that if Ellie Hagler and I were put down to, uh, you know, a push-up competition, and I don't mean girly, you know, push-ups on my knees, like yes. my toes and hands, I- I'd be fine. Oh, I think we've got to do that out in Miami. Oh, my God, I'm totally seeing this. because the best We thing- have to do this in Miami, and there must be video. Oh, for sure. You know, the best thing about Ellie Hagler is he thinks he can beat everyone at everything. Oh, yeah, no, no, I'm telling him, <laughs> in Miami, it's on. Yeah, he's he's been a phenomenal addition to the network and to just, you know, sporting <laughs> events in general. He's a oh, lot of fun. yeah. He's a lot of fun. Anyway, Coach Jazz, I'm looking forward very much to seeing you in Miami. Um, Me too, I can't and, wait to see you. And we're going to have you on the air. We're going to tell everybody the before and afters. It's going to be very, very excited, and I want to thank you so much for always being a part of this network Absolutely. and my Thank show. Thank you for having me. Totally my pleasure. I will uh, see you in sunny Miami. See you in Miami. Sounds good. Bye. You're listening to That's Life on the Nahum Siegel Network. I am Miriam L. Wallach, and we are ready for the craziest thing that happened to me this week. Okay, so for people who don't know what I wear to work every single day, which I would have to imagine is about 99% of my listening audience, um, with the exception of Avrami and maybe my husband, I wear heels almost every single day to the studio, to work, to Fox, to whatever. Anyway, um, I also get into the habit of, you know, like a lot of people taking off their shoes under their desk, except the studio is not sort of designed that way. And I feel like some days I live here. So I just will basically walk around barefoot a lot of the time. And added to that, I sometimes walk in the hall barefoot because I just think I live here. So yesterday I, um, <laughs> yesterday I walked down the hall and I was going to the bathroom and somebody else who has an office on the same floor that we do looked at me and didn't say hello, didn't say anything. And I really don't know this person. I mean, I think I've walked by him a couple of times, but he looked at me and goes, you're not wearing shoes. And I said, yeah, I know. <laughs> and I just kept going on my merry way and went into the bathroom where I've never seen another human being in the women's bathroom on this floor. And all of a sudden I just cracked up at myself that this is pretty ridiculous that I walk around this place without shoes on. And as Rummy has pointed out multiple times, semi-gross. So what did I bring in with me today is the pair of slippers that I bought for myself. Avram, wait, wait a minute, second, where are they? Oh, they're over here. Hold on. Everybody stand by. I'm going to have to take a picture of them and post them on Facebook. But Avram, do you like the slippers? Or you're just happy that I bought a pair? They're very girly. <laughs> I know. Yeah, well. And one might say for someone older than you are. <laughs> okay, so... I will be honest in saying that they were not my first choice, but they were like nine bucks and I decided that they were worth it. And the bigger problem was that the cool slippers I had bought myself with like eyes and ears and like floppy things and whatever that looked like dogs, my daughter stole for herself um, over Hanukkah because she decided that she needed a new pair of slippers and thought well, I was kidding when I said, oh, I bought myself slippers to wear around in the studio. And all of a sudden, like, like one Friday night, she comes downstairs and she's wearing my, I'm like, dude, what's with the slippers? She goes, Oh, I thought you were kidding that you bought your, them for yourself. I'm like, no, I really bought them for myself. So I bought these instead. You, 
I thought that they were like a little bit, I don't want to say professional looking, because at the end of the day, we're talking about me wearing slippers in the studio. No? I think it's those things on the top of the front there that kind of- They're <laughs> bows. They're like little flower thingies. Yes. You're not feeling it. Well, I'm not supposed to. Right, that's true. Okay, but I will say the following, that um, we'll keep everyone updated because I know you're wondering what's going to happen when I wear them in the studio and up and down the hall and whether anybody's going to say anything. But I guess between my slippers and the fact that I'm the only- I'll have David chop those things off. (laughs) I'm going to come in here. They're going to be like bird feathers on here one day and my my slippers will have been hacked. Anyway, that was my funny story, but I will let you know what happens when when I see- Oh my gosh, they have a hole. Oh, that's not okay. I haven't even worn them yet. All right. Well, we'll let everybody know what happens when I wear them in the hall here. Stay tuned. <laughs> I wear the halls here of the Lower East Side, and I get the next crazy look from uh, one of our neighbors. You're listening to That's Life on the Nachum Siegel Network. I'm Miriam Elwalk, joined by my second guest, second coach of the day, but first coach in my heart, no offense to jazz, Coach Jonathan Halpert from the YU Max joins us today. He is a uh, a frequent guest on our network, whether it's with Nahum on Jamie and the AM or here. What is with the mic today? It keeps this. Do you hear me? No. All right. Now you hear me. Is it just my cans? You can hear me fine. What's going on? Um, okay. You know what? I'm just not going to touch that wire. That's a probably good idea. Anyway, um, Coach Halpert, thank you for joining me. Thanks for coming to the Lower East Side. You're very welcome. It's always a pleasure to come back to the Lower East Side. You, you, you know, it's funny. I feel that way every day, and people think I'm being sarcastic, but I love coming down here. When we were dating my wife uh, about 100 years ago, <laughs> we used to spend Sundays on the Lower East Side. Really? Yeah, Miller's Cheese. We'd oh, stop there. Oh, nice. Gus's Pickles. And then we'd uh, stop and buy a box of um, cookies. And uh, take the train back to the D train back to the Bronx and eat the whole box of cookies. Really? Yeah. My dad tells a story that when he was at YU, he and a bunch of the Masmachim would come down to Ratner's and a couple people would get coffee and everyone else would eat the onion pockets. And just <laughs> until you were full and then you went back uptown. That is correct. Ratner's <laughs> was, a, was a Saturday, after ball game Saturday night, we used to come to Ratner's. And when my brother was an MTA, it was Bernstein's. Right. Right, we didn't go, We only went to Bernstein's occasionally because we could just barely afford Ratner's. <laughs> so, you know, like the, you'd buy the soup and then eat like a thousand rolls. You That's know? it. That's Those right. rolls. And by the way, if you had a nice waiter at Ratner's, it was a bad experience. Something about having the food thrown at you by a begrudgingly angry man was part of the entire. And I'm not knocking it because the yeah. night before my wedding, it's the only place I wanted to be. And my yeah. friend Judy and I came down to the Lower East Side. And I ate everything I wanted to, then cried that I wouldn't fit into my gown. You know how it works. Um, but I love it down here. Right. No, I, I agree. So we used to, up at Wai, up at Yeshiva also on the, at night, guys from the dorm we used to come to Ratners all the time at 1, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. That's it. And, yeah. and when I was in Stern, it was H&H. Everyone yeah. would just go for bagels in the middle of the night. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's still a good time down here. Anyway, I, you know, Coach, not that you're not always welcome here because you are, but I specifically brought you down here to talk about Lance Armstrong. Now, for some people who might not who might not understand the segue, I mean, who best to talk about um, honesty and auth- and authenticity and integrity in sports than, frankly, than you, who's been around for forty years, is the uh, you know has a, a phenomenal reputation both inside of yeshiva and outside um, in in secular bit in secular sports and both in house. And I am I'm totally taken with this entire story because. It, to me, it's not a story. What's the story? That he lied? Who didn't know that? Well, I, I listen, it's uh, Lance Armstrong's story is a microcosm of lots of stories. Uh, it's uh, steroids in baseball and Hall of Fame. Right. 
it's uh, Bernie Madoff. It's uh, mm. so, so many different things. It's it's in essence, it's a it's a story of values and what are what are your values? Everybody wants to win the game at what cost? Everybody wants to pass the test at what cost? Everybody wants to make money at what price are you willing to right. pay? So it comes down. That's in essence the question. Now, and you know, Lance Armstrong wanted to win. Uh, he rationalized that everybody in Europe is cheating, and that's true. <laughs> and therefore, I'm sure in his own mind, he said, "Well, I'm not doing anything different. That's not, that's the criteria here." So okay, so I'll take these steroids. But it wasn't the criteria in America. So it's a little Lance Armstrong's story is a little more complicated because the rationalization that he used is a, is a little is, has has some merit to it, some merit to it. But the bottom line is, at at you know at what cost? And I, and that goes on all the time. And uh, and, and and until the reward of doing quote unquote the honest thing, the mm, correct thing, right. is equal or better than the reward you get for cheating, people are going to cheat. You're right. I mean, the, you're, you're eloquently put and also, you know, very much to the point. Somebody likened him um, on TV yesterday to Barry Bonds. He's just as bad. He's in the same category as Barry Bonds. He is not a Jose Canseco. He is a Barry Bonds. These are nuances. I really pro- hope everyone who's listening understands baseball. Pro- this is probably based upon the fact that uh, that was a uh, Giant fan. <laughs> who felt that Bonds was better than Conseco, who was an Oakland fan. So, I mean, those are nuances of nuances. And by the way, all these stories are always complicated because let's make sure we understand. Oftentimes the player gets left holding the bag as the evil one. But in, that's if you want to go to steroids in baseball, uh, the owners right. are, are so guilty, it's unbelievable. And the other players who all knew about it are so guilty because they would say nothing because everyone's salaries were going up. So, And the newspaper reporters who are now holier than holy will not vote for these guys. Many of them knew what was going on, and they didn't say anything because they wanted the right stories. And what about the sponsors? The sponsors and, who are out now, this whole article in the Times yesterday that talked about what the Postal Service did or did not know, what other sponsors in Europe did or did not know. And I joked on Facebook yesterday, it's the new Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Everyone's benefiting from it. The amount of money that the Postal Service made off of sponsoring um, you know, Armstrong and the entire team, they got their money's worth and then some. Uh, and, you know, what I find sad about it, very, it's obviously on, on many levels it's very sad, um, and that is that sports in particular is probably one of the greatest vehicles that we could use to teach the, the lesson that winning at all cost is not the right way to go. And in other words, in terms of teaching values, sports is a great place to teach it. If, it, of course, if it's done right. right. But of course, in many instances, it's not done right. But you know, if, for example, you know, this this is a, this is a matter of teaching values to kids and uh, and teaching kids to learn that you know the, there's a right thing way to do it and there's a wrong way to do it and you really should be doing the right thing and and you but in order to get them to do that te- talking is is not going to help them as i said before the the reward for doing the right thing has to be equal and the in terms of the in the eyes of the of the of the kid growing up has to be equal in terms of what you would get by cheating so uh for example and you know on the on the simplest level you know everybody wants to score right right but if so but if the kid who pay, makes the pass gets an equal reward, then he'll be more likely to, to pass. Uh, and, and sports, I'm just a small little example. Sport, sport, the playing of a game of basketball, a three-on-three game or even a five-on-five game, a pickup game, 
no referees, is one of the few areas where where everybody's you, you sort of self self judge. Mm. For example, the tradition is the following: you play the game, you drive to the basket. There's no referee there, and you think you got fouled. And the and, and the famous word is I, I got it. <laughs> the, the I got it means I've gotten fouled, and therefore I'm going to take the ball out of bounds. I'm going to go again, and the and everybody everybody respects that I've got it, and therefore at at that point in time you're really self you're self judging mm. yourself. And but at the same time though, if the player continues to make calls that are phantom calls, okay, and everybody in that everybody in that gym knows it's a phantom call at some point in time. People are going to say to that player, "No, no, you you don't you don't have anything. That's nonsense. That's a, that's your third bad call." So the point is, though, but if, if the fellow who makes the honest call, right, and does he gets rewarded for that? He gets the ball. He gets rewarded for that because he earns the respect of his of the players, as opposed to the guy who cheats in order to get the ball in order to win. He he, he doesn't earn the respect of the court. So it, it's a very subtle, it's a very subtle way of teaching. The point is that. There is a right way to do things, and you can get rewarded for doing the right thing, even if it means you don't win the game. Mm. Is there is there a reward, or is there an honor, or the respect? Does he get our respect back for coming clean? Well, uh, and of I- course, by the way, I'd say that tongue in cheek because I'm a big believer in where there's smoke, there's fire, and frankly, there've been fire raging, you know, fires raging when it comes to this entire story for years. The first whistleblower, Lloyd Flanders, and discussing all of this, you know, just years ago in the witch hunt that happened with him. But now he sits down and he comes, quote unquote, he comes clean. Is there is there a respect? Does he gain our respect back? Um, I I think uh, over time people are willing to forgive. So I think over a certain point of time, I think so. It depends upon what, he, what what his body of work is going forward. If he keeps up his work on behalf of cancer survival and things of that nature, then I think people will forgive him. But as far as does he get earned Competing. respect? Does he get to compete? Well, at this point in time in his life, he's you know he's finished competing. He's too old to compete. But I mean, right, if, he, if, he, the- if, he, if he was twenty four years old and you made a mistake and took steroids and then came back and stayed clean, I think and 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 still still could hit a, ba- a baseball. I think people would would forgive that for sure. I don't, I don't think there's any question. We're very we're a very forgiving uh, very forgiving society. Uh, and, uh, and I think and people want to forgive. People want to see people succeed, I, th- I believe. But the problem is is that today, in our society in general, the guy who usually is, quote-unquote, honest and does the honest thing does not only not get rewarded for it, but may end up getting fired for it. Mm. And, more, and not only that, in some respects, is considered a sucker. Right. He's a sucker. And because he didn't win. And if he didn't win, then he may not get the promotion. And if he didn't win, then he's going to get – you know, most coaches, most college basketball coaches today are, enter the game as, as honest people. And if they stay around long enough in the higher levels, they realize one thing. If everyone's cheating around them, and if they're not going to cheat, they're going to get fired. Because ultimately, although they all – we all, everyone talks the game of that, you know, they want the – they want honesty and they want sportsmanship. What they really right. want is wins because wins brings money. So – it's 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 a very difficult situation to be able to be able to stand up and say, "Listen, I don't really care if I lose this job. Right. All I care about is that I I feel good about myself and I'm doing the right thing, and, that, and that's as important as uh, as the victory. And that's not such an easy thing to do. So he gets some he he gets some props for finally coming to this point where he stands up and he says, "I did this." But I, I guess my next question is. Does he get props for doing it on Oprah? 
there's something about and, and you, you may say to me that I'm that I'm making a big deal out of nothing. There is something about the manner in which he decided to come clean. That's the equivalent of doing this in People magazine. And it's just becomes it becomes to me much more sensational than it is sincere. And he frankly, he had no choice. I mean, the body of evidence against him is outstanding. It really is. So at this point, the only person who's who's has his has his back is himself. He's got there's nothing else. He's got no Nike. He's got no this. Everyone has abandoned him. He's stepped down from Livestrong, which, by the way, continues to do good work, right. continues to do good work. But he he's got to He's got to just do this already. It's the most it's absolutely the most ridiculous thing in the world. So he gets up and he sits down with Oprah for two and a half hours. It's airing tonight on Oprah's network or sometime this afternoon or whatever it is. And she's splitting it up into two slots, yada, yada, yada. If he had done this in front of Congress, if he had done this in front of a hearing when we're talking about doping, if he had done this in front of a legislative committee, would that have been more meritorious than this? Or am I just making a big deal out of nothing? Well, because I've been known it, to do that. It depends upon the nature of the questions that she asks him. If it's a uh, you know just a bunch of uh, softball questions, and we ends up talking about his, the difficulty of his life and so on and so forth, as opposed to being very pointed, hard, pointed and hard hitting, then I, I then I don't think it matters if it's Oprah or or Congress, and 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 you can make a case that more people will watch him on Oprah than will watch him in Congress. Who's going to turn on C-SPAN to watch his testimony in Congress? Right. But I, I mean, I don't know what her ratings are. Apparently her ratings aren't that great. It's one of the reasons why she wanted that, wanted them on the show. But so I think the venue is is a little bit of irrelevant. I think what you got to do is is try to measure his sincerity. Hmm. What does he really say? Does he, you know, does he, you know, he just, you know, completely, you know, quote unquote, to Chuva, right? You know, and uh, and we understand what that what Chuva is all about. Chuva is, you know, not just simply about between you and God. It's about you and your fellow person, so on and so forth. So that, I mean, I think we, I think you you can we'll sit and we'll listen, and based upon what we hear, we'll determine his level of sincerity. And uh, so I don't if, if it's Oprah or it's on Howard Stern or it's in People's Magazine. I mean, those areas obviously are taken less serious because they are more for glorification and so on and so forth, as opposed to uh, sit down with the New York Times, although. Frankly, I wouldn't sit down with him. <laughs> I was about to say, not your first choice. There's not much integrity there at all. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess that's another session. That's another segment so, with me so and you uh, for another day. And probably better is left for the other people who could articulate that position better than <laughs> He's I right now, he's also on a forgiveness tour. I mean, they were talking about that. He's going around to his different former teammates and accusers um, and, you know, asking them for forgiveness because he knows he's been doing it all along. And he had gone on these crazy witch hunts where he was trying to put down um, you know, people who had opposed him in the past and, and again, fellow teammates who have seen him doing it, who came clean years ago and named him, et cetera. So he's, he is on this, I guess you right. could say, chuva tour, so to speak. Right. But the, the, the potential for lifting the ban on his being able to compete would also be contingent on him being a whistleblower as well. Um, and so I think, I, so, I mean, I guess that, that begs my next question. I mean, something that you were saying before is that even if the ban is lifted, he wouldn't be able to compete till he's 50. And while, you know, he can be in phenomenal shape when he's 50, there's still something right. competing against 20 year olds when you're doing the tour de France and saying, Hey buddy, maybe you should be on the sidelines. But in, in going back to the other thing, is that, is that again, is it, is it a good sign? Is it a sign of sincerity that he's really trying to reach out to people and saying, I'm sorry. I, 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 yeah, I think so. 
I think the fact that he's not just coming out and making a broad statement, but he's actually seeking out people, uh, I think so. I think also probably the measure of how sincere that is is how how much of it is done in private and how much is done publicly. I think it does reach a point. I mean, going on Oprah is one thing. You reach a mass audience and you're able to present your case. After all, you are a public figure. So right. if you're going to admit, then you should do it in the public forum as opposed to, you know, in front of one person in this private room. But there is something to be said about, you know, asking for forgiveness privately without, without cameras and without lights. I think that's, you know, uh, then no one can question your motives there. You know, I think you know as long as he's constantly apologizing in the public scene, in the public uh, public square, then you could always question his motives. Well, he's trying to get back his contract. He's going to get good names. It's all about money, as opposed to sitting down with someone privately and saying, "Listen, I'm really sorry. I screwed up, and I, mm. I, I please, you know, please forgive me." Which no one knows about and no one hears about. Well, those are sincere, and if you do enough of those, then eventually. People start that. What happened? Enough mea culpas. Yeah. Well, what happens is, I, I I think is that forgiveness. You can't force forgiveness. All all that can happen is you can sort of sit back and wait for it to sort of come to you. It's like right. Good point. It's like you, you know. Good point. Your reputation is not based upon what you say about yourself, and 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 probably your be- best. I've always thought it's the best thing to do is to say as little about yourself as possible mm-hmm. and let other people do that. Let right. other people come to defend you. And if they don't come to defend you, then you probably don't deserve it. Um, and if they do come to defend, well, that's uh, – I think that 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 to me is far more meaningful. It's far more meaningful for me, you know, on a personal level right. to hear somebody – Say things you know positive about me, as opposed to my coming on the show here and saying, "Well, you know, you know, I've done this and I've done that. You know what I've done? Well, right. you know, well, no, you know, whip the damn do, you know, uh, <laughs> what you've done. You know, let's, uh, that's for others to decide if it's a value. Uh, others decide if I'm a good coach. Others decide if I'm a good person. Not me. I mean, you know, I obviously I, I would hope that you everyone everyone thinks they're doing the right thing. I would hope you that hope. most people are not walking around saying, "Oh, I'm a misery boy." You know, right. I, that's you know, by the way, if people who say I'm a misery usually then aren't because when they tell them they really believe they're a misery, then they, they'll change. That's the you know that's the first step is to hmm. understand your mistakes that you you know if you're always playing if you're always playing zone and you're losing, the first uh, thing to do is say, "Why are you always playing zone?" Maybe Interesting. You should, maybe you should play something else. You know? Interesting. That's a good metaphor. You're listening to That's Life on the Nachum Siegel Network. We are joined by Coach Halpert from the YU Max, who, by the way, is having a very solid season. You said it, not me. I so. did, and I can say it. <laughs> I can say it, but, yeah. you know, nice. It's got to feel good. It feels great. <laughs> a, listen, look, that's what we do every day. We're all out there trying to win. Right. You know, uh, you know, in, in business, we're trying to win as measured by bring, money. Are you going to bring up Lance Armstrong with your with with your with your team? I wonder. You know, we talked. To, you you brought this up at the beginning of the segment. We're looking at how we're teaching kids about this, what kids are learning about this, and again, you are a hundred percent right. We as parents and as coaches, and I coached teams for years. All again, the coach. This is the coach segment here. Um, you know, we we look to kids and we say, how? What can we do to be better? What can we do to make you above and beyond? What can we do to make you stand out? Even though my daughter is a freshman in high school, we say to her, what are we going to do to help bolster your resume and your um, you know college um, applications in three years, three and a half years to make you stand up and stand out? So we have a guy like Lance Armstrong who did. I'm not justifying it. In a million years, I'm not condoning his behavior. But again, there are these. There is this constant mentality 
for, for better or for worse, that we all have to have an edge. We have to be better than the next guy. So then you look at a guy like, like Lance Armstrong and say, no, you cross the line. This is not how we want you to stand up and stand out. You still have to be an athlete with integrity. You still have to be honest because on the court and off the court, it's your reputation that you should value more than making that shot. So I wonder when the next time you're sitting down with the team and you're doing that pep talk, you're either in the locker room or, you know, wherever you are, you're closing up the game, you're, you're everything, the night is over. Are you going to look at him? Are you going to use him as a metaphor? Are you going to bring it up with the students? Um, I, I, no. I, I, I usually, I try, I, I try not to be preachy. I try not to uh, He's not preach a teachable moment. And, and pontificate and all that stuff. I, I'm not sure really that's what kids want. What I, what I, all I try to do is take real life examples and then address it. So for example, I mean, it's, you know, uh, we lose a game. And so the question at the end of the game is, you know, okay, so now what are we going to do? We lost. Okay, we tried to do something, and we didn't succeed. You know, so what, what are we going to do? And the, the, the choices are the first choice. What most people do is they point the finger at someone else. If I, <laughs> right. I, I, I've had, I've had, I've had teams where I remember after we were losing two or three games in a row, I came into the locker room and I said, "Okay, everybody, I want you to tell me why we lost." Hmm. And I went around the room and asked each guy individually, and I put their marks on the backboard. Why'd you lose? Why do you think we lost? Why'd you think we lost? And at the end, of the, the, at the end, I said, now, everyone look at these comments. What's the one common theme among all these comments? Take a look. Take a look. Just look at it, the board. Look at it yourself. Look. And finally, someone said, yeah, it's uh, everybody here talked about somebody else. Hmm. Wow. We didn't rebound enough. Wow. Big guys. We didn't shoot well enough. Guards. Uh, the coach didn't put the right subs in. Coach. <laughs> that was the one that really bothered me, by the way. <laughs> I said, listen to me. This is not about me. It's about you. I'm, j- I'm joking. Right, right, right. But anyway, the point was, and, and, and to me, that was a much more powerful lesson right. than talking about the New York 669 Knickerbockers who played so well together. I mean, that did not mean anything. I mean, I said, guys, do you see what the problem is on this team is? That's the problem on the team. No one here, nobody said, I messed up. Right. I said, you ownership. know, the, I said the only, you, you know, the only person who goes home at night after a loss and and, and sits down and thinks about thinks about what he did wrong is me. Mm-hmm. I said, the first, when I go home, all I think about is what I did wrong. I don't think about you guys. What did I do wrong? Interesting. And so I, I try, I really try to stay away from that, and I try to use, you know, real examples. And I and I and I think what another thing that's really important in terms again is it from the sports and from team concepts because it, it really cuts right across every aspect of life that's why that's the only rationalization it's the only uh, re- reason why we're spending this time uh, you know running around the court in our underwear four nights a week you know <laughs> uh, for, because i think there's tremendous things that can be learned on the elementary school level and the high school level if it's done right no it's how do kids make teams right who uh. gets on the team who gets selected well come on now everybody we know what goes on out there right. that can't go on because the lesson there the, the, the most powerful lesson in the world is hey if you know someone and you got something and you don't you even know you didn't merit you're going to get it you're going to get the cookie you're going to get the reward so you know what you better do you better get connected don't worry about how good you are just get connected so what's going so well this season what makes this team different what is clicking with this team a wonderful set of parents huh. who've done a fabulous job with their children over the years. Wow. So when they come to me, I have wonderful kids. 
Unbelievable. So I mean, that, you've mentioned that about this team before, that it's really a solid group of guys. It's a wonderful group of kids because they have wonderful parents who've done a great job with the kids. And so when they present themselves to me, you know, they're 20 years old. I mean, you know, I get a lot of credit, you know, for uh, for doing this and doing that. And as long as someone else is giving me the credit, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to turn it away because <laughs> I, I, I don't believe in false modesty. I really don't. I mean, I understand what I am. I know what right. I do, so on and so forth. But- these are these are really solid kids. Now these are solid, and then we then I we I try to take these solid kids, who you start out working with, and you put them into a system where there's a, a what I'd like to feel is a certain degree of fairness. Mm, okay. You, you know, the based on your, what your performance, what you do is going to dictate what I'm going to do, and that's how I'm going to. That's how you're going to get playing time. That's and we and not everybody is the same. Not everybody's equal. That's nonsense. Some guys are better, and therefore they're going. They're going to play. And some guys are better shooters, and therefore they're going to shoot. It's a it's a process where you start with twenty five guys, and by the time you you know the season opens up, you, you you've selected fifteen, and after you've got the fifteen, then you decide who your top eight are, and after you decide who your top eight are, you decide who your top five are, and oh. after you got the top five, then you got to decide who's going to be the shooters. Right. So you're weaning it down to two or three guys, and everybody has to understand their roles. But there's a certain f- fairness to it. And as long as there's a fairness, and as long as I'm not saying to you privately, you're my man. Right. Well, you're my, you're my, you're my person. Well, that's all right. Okay. My, my maiden name is man. We'll take okay. it. Okay. <laughs> all right. And saying the same thing to the other guy as he comes into the room. Right. I, so I, th- I think it's a combination of good, solid kids, and then, and hopefully, you know, look, every every kid does not present the same. All right. So when a kid comes in, some kids need some um, coaxing. TLC? Well, I don't know about TLC, but they need some teaching, you know. They need, you know, and there has to be certain standards, and this is that you have to comply with. Some kids, it takes longer, and some of the kids who have been with me now for, you know, three years, four years. Mm-hmm. So I would like to think, <laughs> I just, I'm violating my first rule. I would like to think, <laughs> I, I would like to think that the, the parents, I mean that sincerely about the parents, I would also like to think that I have contributed to, Getting these kids to play a certain way and, nice. and and so on and so forth, and it's been it's been a good you know look. We you also lost. have a range of ages, right? Isn't there? There's, there's uh, a, it's a bit of a range. Yeah, well, this year not this year not as much in the past because I have less uh, international students. So in the past, year, international students, uh, especially if they're from Israel, then the senior is going to be twenty five years right. old. So yeah, but this year it's a little less than that. Um, but they, the kids, I mean, I shouldn't call them kids. They're, they're college students, and Avrami is giving me the dirty look of we need to wrap up, okay. which, by the way, is a dirty look. I don't, don't, don't look at him straight in the face. It's the eyes well, that will kill you. it's the only way he's going to get it done. Yeah, it's right. Oh, oh you know what? It's just, uh, yes, that is true. You know, you, you know yeah, yeah, listen. <laughs> look at him. He's so vindicated now. You know, he's all, so happy now. He doesn't this, know what to do with himself. All this fuzzy, lovey-dovey <laughs> talk is a bunch no, of nonsense. Tough listen love. To tough love. You here. got another two minutes. Get off the air and shut up. That's all. <laughs> Of Rami's like, yeah, I've been telling her that for months. If now. you want to talk to him, get off the air, go to coffee, and you sit and talk to him all you want. But not here. You had it, baby. That's it. <laughs> That's it. We are, we are losing. We are losing time. Just tell me. In, can I? Do I have thirty seconds? No. In thirty seconds. I'm sorry. Okay. Okay. In thirty seconds. I'll do it in fifteen. There all right. Go. How does this reform the sport? How does this reform the way we look at sports now? Now that this is out, and our golden boy with his golden bracelets turns out to be not so golden. How does this ta- how does this reform the way we look at a competitive sports? 
Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't reform it. It just conf- increases the cynicism. Mm. Uh, it undermines everything that's good in sports. It's another. It's another smack in the head to sports because unfortunately there are kids out there that, 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 that learning the lesson that is you know what if I I can get the gold medals the only mistake he made was he got caught. Oh. And, and that's and unfortunately you're right you're right and it's it takes tremendous effort and work and so on and so forth to undo that and uh, and it's it, so listen but that's why you do it that's why you do it and it's still worthwhile because when you do it and when it's successful then you've created something which is you know which is really really good and carries over th- throughout a, throughout a young man's life I, I believe that well coach Halpert as always it is a pleasure to have you here I can't wait to hear more about the season as the season goes on you should have continued Hatzlacha. And as always, open invite here. So anytime you want to come back, I'll get somebody else to engineer, and everybody can just you know go well, somewhere else, and we'll hang out for well, a while. My book's coming out soon. Oh, so I'm coming back, but you got to get another engineer because I want to <laughs> talk longer. <laughs> we'll do a super size. That's life. That's week. I apologize. <laughs> Don't. Are you kidding me? He puts up with much worse. She can give you the whole show instead of half. <laughs> That's right. We'll do 60 Minutes with Coach Albert. Thank you, everybody. I like that suggestion <laughs> very much. We're going to have a good time. It'll be a 60-minute supersized Coach Halpert. That I'm looking forward. You're listening to That's Life. Thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate it. Um, I, I I have to say that sincerely. Making Having you make us part of your day is always is always very, very worthwhile. Let's go through today's lineup so you can know what not to miss. Right after this show, it is something to talk about with Randy Wartelski, followed by Rivka Abbey. Rivka Abbey was phenomenal this week. Make sure to listen to her encore, plus the Jewish reaction at 5 p.m. with Ellie Hagler. Then immediately after that, The Stunt Show, hosted this week by Daniel Gordon, joining Daniel, his identical twin brother, Aaron. If you're looking for a stunt, that's it. It really does not get much better than that. Uh, The Thursday Night Extravaganza is from 7 to 8 p.m., followed by Spin Class, Politics with Michael Fragan, and as always, Book of Life with Charlie Harari at 9 p.m. Following Charlie is Charlie, Charlie Bernhout, an hour of Jewish soul, from nine to ten, from ten to eleven p.m. Join Nachum tomorrow morning from six to nine as he hosts JM and the AM live here on the stream at NachumSiegel.com, JM and the AM dot org, and ninety one point one FM. Do not miss Saturday Night Siegel, hosted by our one and only Avrami. Maybe somebody will cut Avrami off, and he'll have to make his show short. Stay tuned. Uh, you make sure to tune in for that ten p.m. on the stream. Must say Shabbos only at NachumSiegel.com. This show will be rebroadcast Sunday at 1 p.m. on NahumSiegel.com. And make sure to please check our programming schedule on the website so you can click on the network schedule and hear all about the lineup we have for the rest of the week. I'd like to thank my guest, Coach Jazz. You can support us at Team Yachad and Coach Jonathan Halpert from the YU Max. Make sure to keep an eye on that team. Finally, my thanks to Avrami and to Yael Lassen, my fearless intern, and to Duke David, who uh, not only is he the bird uh, extractor, but he is... Just a phenomenal help and a wonderful addition to our network. Anyone who has sponsored me for the half marathon, thank you. Anybody who still would like to sponsor anyone from Team Yachad, you can go to teamyachad.com. Click on Miami, find one of us, and please donate. Don't forget, we are live from Miami on the 25th and the 27th. Special JM in the AM a week from tomorrow. From sunny Florida, the Marco Polo Hotel in Sunny Isles, Florida. We'll be joined by our Yachad family. And then on Sunday... We will be on till 11 a.m. with live marathon coverage straight from the Runner's Village. And while I have been goaded and taunted about finishing the marathon first, as I run with NCSY alumni and Team Yachad, I'm looking forward to just having a great time and talking to all of you from the finish line. I am taking off next week, but am sincerely looking forward to speaking to you on the air 
as I complete the half marathon. I leave you today with eight days all you got because, frankly, I need to bring all I got so I can finish that 13 miles in my new sneaks, even though Coach Jazz says I'm not allowed to. That's life, everybody. Bye, guys. You go up to heaven, you climb all those stairs They won't ask you were you wise like Solomon They won't ask you were you strong like Samson They'll ask just one question and you give just one answer It's the end of the game and only one thing matters They'll say, did you give it all you got? Cause in this life you only have what you got So give it, give it, give it all you got In this world we only have We only have what we got So give it, give it, give it all you got If you say it's easy, I'll say it's not You gotta give it, give it, give it